Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Arizona. Happy Sunday. Welcome back. We do have some open lines. Yes, we have four of them. And we have Shira back here smiling. Give her a call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Fred. And Fred, are you, wh- wh- where are you located today? So we're on Glendale right now. Oh, okay. How are you? I'm excellent. Excellent. Uh, I bought a sister's tree a Mexican lime from uh, down at your farm down south about two or three years ago. It is now about, say, four feet tall and has some small limes on it about the size of large marbles. Uh, if they're green as limes, when do you tell when they're ripe? Well, uh, pr- pretty much any of the Mexican or the small limes like that, they're ripe enough right now. They, they're, they're best when they just are starting to turn yellow just before they fall off. But they're certainly ripe right now. But if you've had it that long, it should be a lot bigger. you got to feed that more this year. Okay. I like to just fed it three times a year. Well, that's kind of the norm. But, you know, when you have a young tree and it's not growing as fast as you like, you can feed it every month from February through October. Okay. All righty. But, yeah, as far that. as the limes, they're probably good right now. And if you let the problem is you let them get all the way ripe, they turn yellow, but then a lot of them will fall off, too. So I got you. Well, I'm in really hard soil up in Moon Valley. Uh-huh. So that uh, might be part of it. And it doesn't always get a lot of sun. Well, in light, in light sun and heavy clay is not, you know, you just have to water accordingly. You know, not give it too much water, especially important with heavy clay on citrus, not to overwater in the wintertime. You know, this time. Right, and once a, once a week is okay? Once a week is the maximum, probably. Oh, okay. You know, you might go, if in the heavy clay there in Moon Valley, you might go once every two weeks. Okay, I can do that. All right, it'll, it'll be happier. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Fred. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Okay. Oh, that leaves us with almost wide-open phones, folks. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. You know, the fun part about this program is I've yet to meet a person on this planet I can't learn from. So if you've got a question, a suggestion, an idea, let's let's all learn together. And, uh, you know, it's amazing as we go around and, and deal with all the people that we have and all the fun, you know, different people from all parts of the world. You know, when I grew up here, we, we had a pretty different, you know, population than we do today. We had percentage-wise a lot more Native people who have been here for up to a thousand years and more, several thousand for some some groups, you know, and uh, we had a lot of people who'd come here when, before it was part of the United States, when we first were part of uh, Spain and then Mexico, and then we had the, you know, the Europeans come from the East, but now we have this wonderful, diverse population with all different kinds of ideas, all different kinds of styles, you know, so many different recipes and ways to cook, and it really makes this country so special, but it makes our gardening special, too, here in the desert. You know, it's fun to try different new things and different crops and you know now we have a lot of immigrants here from places we hadn't had as much before you know first generation immigrants coming from africa they've been gardening there lots to learn from there we got a lot of aussies in here you know from down south and uh just the the diversity here in our gardening and plants makes life so much more fun dennis and glendale's up next the number to call after dennis 602-277-5827 good morning dennis 
Good morning, Ryan. Um, I had a question, a couple questions. Uh, um, my uh, citrus trees, how often should I be, be in winter and stuff, water those? Well, it's going to depend on your soil, Dennis, but in heavy clay soil, about once every two weeks. You know, like, for example, Sun City has real heavy clay. Glendale varies a lot depending on where you are. But uh, if you've got a heavier clay soil once every two weeks, if you're real gravelly up by a mountain or something, you, know, you might water as much as once a week. But that would be the most you would water or anywhere. Uh, a new a new planting uh, a lemon citrus tree. And, and where are you located what cross streets? In England in 51st Avenue in Peoria. Okay. Yeah, so in that neighborhood in there, you're going to probably want to water your lemon tree, you know, while it's what's a brand new one about yeah. once a week. Once a week, okay. And it's it's doing real well right so far, but and the last question is I have Petunias that I planted in one planter and another planter, and and the one's doing excellent, and the one's just just it just looks like it's going to die any day. I go, what's going on here? You know? Well, and it's just one plant, and the your containers you're talking about in two different pots. Uh, they're they're in a, um, a a brick planter that's built on the ground. Okay, and and they're uh, in two different areas, and they're identical areas pretty much. So the sunlight and all that's about the same. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, I, I would think you might have a difference somewhat in your soil, but um, okay. you know, now is a great time to fertilize petunias. And if you want them to come out really quick, just use a water soluble fertilizer like Super Bloom. Okay, and uh, it does fantastic with petunias. And uh, this time of year, it'll give them plenty of nitrogen, but it also gives them a lot of phosphorus. So they should really root and grow and come back faster if you feed, you know, fertilize them with Super Bloom. Great. I appreciate your help. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, Have a nice morning. weekend. Bye-bye. Uh, Barney in North Phoenix. Good morning, Barney. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I always enjoy your show. Well, thank you for being part of it, Barney. I have a quick question. My uh, cross streets are 56 in Bell. I bought a Lisbon lemon tree from you, oh, many years ago, and it is very productive. The issue I have is that there are some uh, shooters that come off the top, and I trim them every year because they're not productive. But uh, what happens if I just let them grow? Well, your tree is just going to get really large. You know, that that's the only downside. Like for our commercial lemon grows, Barney, what we do is we hedge the tops, and we'll take off the top. If we don't do it every year, it's certainly every other year at least. And we'll take our lemon trees down. We cut them at 13 feet usually. And depending on the age, the younger ones will cut even a little shorter. And those trees, if we let them go for two years, will get up to 16 or 18 feet tall. And, you know, then we can't harvest and care for the lemons up on the top. And those shooters that you see are the new water growth that comes up. Typically won't flower much or set much fruit the first year but if those are on there for the second year you'll get a very heavy crop up there and it's you know as to whatever height you want to harvest to and if you want to use it for more of a shade tree you can let a lemon tree grow 30 feet tall no problem but uh, it will be harder to more difficult to harvest the fruit well, I keep trimming it to about uh, 15 to 16 feet because I don't want to go any higher than that on a ladder at my age. Well, <laughs> and I'll tell you, there there are some longer handle pruners and different things, too, that work pretty well. Um, yeah, I've gotten a couple of those, and uh, uh, it is very productive and uh I must tell you, the uh, Lisbon lemons are just fabulous. You know, we've uh, we've made some mistakes. Now, you know, it's funny. I do this show, and I've grown up with the citrus and stuff. But, you know, we plotted one block of Eureka lemons. And while the lemons 
are, are much bigger than our, our lisbons are. You know, the Eureka lemon here, the ones on the outside of the tree are sunburned. And so then as we're harvesting, we have to separate the wheat from the shaft. So the, the sunburned ones have to go to juice, but they don't necessarily look burnt on the rind. They're just dry on the inside. So I think if you want a true lemon, you know, Lisbon lemon's pretty darn hard to beat, unless you want to go the other way and plant a mire. No, I'm happy with what I have, and we have uh, also a um, navel orange tree and a fig tree, and they're all very productive. We take pretty good care of them. So I appreciate the uh, the information, and uh, thank you again for your show. It's really great. Thanks for being part of it, Barney. Have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Joseph and AJ. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning. Uh, I got a question for you, Brian. Uh, I was trying to grow some basil. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got a, I got a, 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 a pot of basil from uh, sprouts, and it was beautiful uh, uh, on it. And I used it, and I can't seem to get the basil to grow back. What, what's the problem? Well, you may have cut it back too far. If you're going to grow basil in a pot, uh, Joe, the ideal thing is to put it in a fairly decent-sized pot. And basil can live for three or four years as long as you prevent it from uh, freezing. So it's uh-huh. not necessarily a quick plant, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to harvest too much of it at one time. So it's not like you cut it off at the ground and grow it back up. If you'll use one side at a time and let the other side regenerate, you know, before you cut cut back the other side, it'll, it'll maintain itself and be pretty healthy. If you take too much of it off down where you take all the foliage off, it's done. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Joseph. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, Mike and Mesa, good morning, Michael. Good morning. I have a couple questions about my, I have one single large mature navel orange and, and it's by itself out there. And it, quite a few of the oranges got, you were just brought it up, sunburned there on the west side. Does that disqualify the orange from being a good orange? Well, it's going to lower the quality, but you know what? The other half that's still probably good is fine and you can cut them and see, but they're great for juicing. You know, there won't be as, okay. as fun to peel because you'll have a dry side. But, you know, if I had those oranges at my house and it was getting the end of my navel season, that's what I had left. I would certainly eat them. And uh, what you might want to do is just take those sunburnt ones off earlier in the season and juice them all at one time. And and then, right. you know, preserve the best ones because the more they are closer to the interior of the tree, the less sun they get, the slower they ripen. And what we call the sucker fruit of the fruit inside by the trunk where it's been grown and ripened in the shade will mature a month or so later than the fruit on the outside. But boy, will it have the nicest, best navels, especially when they're in there on the interior part of the tree. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening with mine. And my second question is, is I don't know if I did the right thing. Yesterday, I went out there with a pruner and a ladder, and, and uh, the small, immature-looking ones, and they're soft instead of being hard. And I pruned off like 20 of them. And is that normal to get that many soft and immature looking oranges off one tree? And did I do the right thing by getting rid of them? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure what was causing the problem with those. Most of the, you know, the bad fruit we see will drop off earlier than this time on its own. And the sunburn fruit on the exterior, you know, which is half good, half bad, it'll usually hang on for the entire season. But, you know, if the fruit starts to turn off color, get soft, um, it's probably not going to mature into a nice fruit. And at that point, I would discard it. We see more of that, honestly, Mike, in our tangelos than we do our navels. And over the last few years, 
I haven't, they're not ripe enough to tell this summer. And I think it's had to do more with the summer heat is that a certain percentage of the tangelos won't turn to a dark orange. And the ones that aren't mm-hmm. dark orange, we, we don't really have a use for. You know, we, you okay. can feed them to hogs or cows or something like that, but they certainly aren't, aren't good to eat. Not when you have the beautiful, you know, high quality fruit. So taking it off is not going to hurt anything. All right. Just one last quick question. I I live here in Mesa at uh, cross streets of Rio Salado and Alma School. What's my soil like? So Rio Salado and Alma School, you're going to probably have a heavier clay soil in there unless you drop, yeah. you know, as you drop down. But even over there, like in Lehigh, that soil is pretty heavy, too. It's just kind of the way the river pushed up that soil and it built up in there. And that heavier soil grows wonderful quality citrus. Yes. All right. I just was, for watering purposes, I was wondering how much to water, what my soil. It seems hard, clay. Well, it's it's, you know. it's fairly dense, pretty heavy clay for the most part in there. And, you know, with that being said, you know, you're going to cut back on your watering cycle on mature trees this time of year. They won't need near as much. Yeah. And they actually suffer if you overwater them in the wintertime. Okay. I got it. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Dan and Rita, then you could be next. The number to call here for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. KTAR. Rita and Mesa, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Uh, We had you guys uh, plant an an olive tree for us about a month ago, Uh and we've been watering every week. Do I need to back off on that now? Uh, no, a new olive, that's probably fine. I would probably go to, to you know, further watering, uh, spaced more. What size was it, Rita? Um, 24-inch box. Okay, so I, I would change in December to once every two weeks. And, and okay. leave the once that's every two weeks to- up all the way through uh, about Valentine's Day and then go back to once a week. 
And when I get to Valentine's Day, do I fertilize? Absolutely. If you want it to grow faster. And you can feed it lightly, like once a month, or you could just feed it then two or three times a year. Okay. Well, thank you. That's what I needed to know. Have a nice weekend, Rita. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Dan and Chandler. Good morning, Dan. Morning. Thanks for taking my call. Recently, I purchased a property up in Prescott, and there's a couple of mature blue spruce trees, uh, a fat Albert and, and another one. And the, the slimmer tree, unfortunately, is getting brown needles closer uh, inside, closer to the trunk. And I'm wondering what I can do to... Is, is that diseased or what the problem is? No, not necessarily. Dan, how large are they? They're, uh, the one I'm talking about is probably 15 feet tall. So it's going to be normal for it to kind of brown out in the interior. You know, with the blue spruce, the you know, exterior growth is so dense, and then oftentimes those needles will turn brown. And then the trees so dense they don't really fall out, you know. So, like when blue spruce are used for Christmas trees, they have to put them through a shaker to shake all those needles out. And you'd be amazed at how right. many needles, even in a Christmas tree-sized tree that's been, you know, sheared a little bit, one that's 8 or 10 feet tall will have, you know, a bucket, almost a wheelbarrow full of needles on the inside. So that's not really a natural for the tree at all. It's, as long as the growth is good in the exterior and the growing tips and the buds, the tree's probably very healthy. Okay, well, I won't worry about it then. How much do you need to water those? those well, in the wintertime, about once a month if we don't have any rain or snow, okay? And in the summertime, okay. if you want them to grow fast, when they're going to do most of their growing, and they're slow anyway, but if you want to get more growth on them, what you would do is you'd fertilize them like in March before the buds come out. And uh, and if you get them fertilized then, they do most of their growing between somewhere like the end of March and, and the end of May, and then they put out that one big growth growth spurt every year and if you'll have plenty of form to feed on before that happens uh, they'll be ready to go and after that don't really need much fertilizer and water you know depending on what your soil's like and it's all different kinds of soil around prescott but if you're in rocky soil you know it's going to want to be watered in addition probably at least until the monsoon start probably every two weeks um but if it's if we have a decent monsoon that can usually take care of them too so you really kind of have to water you know watch the water in Prescott. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, the fat Albert looks kind of really fat. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it proper to, to prune them to, to make them look uh, slimmer? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can tell I can tell my El Paso story about women and palm trees, but I shouldn't. It, it, would, it wouldn't be a good character on the air. But friends of mine who ever heard my story from El Paso would understand. But you know, it's really just a matter of taste, and and that's the genes of that tree, and that's how it's going to grow. And the problem is, if you start to thin it out, you know, on the out, or cut it back on the outside to keep it narrower, what you're going to find, you're going to have a lot more, you know, that dead needles be exposed on the inside, and you know, I think with a lot of trees, especially things like spruce, it's better to almost stick with their genetics and, and let them grow the way they are. That tree has been bred uh, specifically for that characteristic. You know, and a fun thing about the, the blue spruce is that the seedlings for most of the blue spruce in the world came right here from Arizona. So if you go down south and up on the hill from, from uh, Prescott there, you can find natural stands of blue spruce and you can up in the Kayabab and some other higher elevations here in the state too. But it's, it's a special uh, tree 
tree here in Arizona that uh, has been propagated and grown worldwide. Well, thank you very much for the information. Have a great day. You too, Dan. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we have Mike and Owatuki. Good morning, Michael. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. call. <clears throat> um, I have uh, a tamarind tree in the front yard. And um, I just wanted to see uh, it, what's the best care for that and feeding in. Is it a tamarind or a tamarix tree, Mike? Tamarind, you know, that sweet and sour fruit you get. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? I haven't really grown one of those out, you know, myself long enough to have the experience with them. And um, I could find out more for you. I got some friends that have grown them, you know, more than I have. But I, I haven't grown them, so I don't really have the, the best experience. What you might want to do is you might want to reach out to the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service. And they have a fantastic right. Master Gardeners program. And if you'll send the question into them, they can maybe get you some answers. If not, I'll uh, I'll follow up with some other friends. I could probably get some more answers from. I just don't have the experience personally. Oh, okay. Well, another thing, um, a tree I'm thinking about for the front yard is a baobab tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of kind of got to watch those with the sun on the trunk. You know, because they're a more tropical tree and they grow in a denser rainforest with a lot less light than we have. Um, mm-hmm. You can certainly grow them here. You know, and they, and they can be pretty here. But uh, just got to watch. You know, they're not good if you're going to put it like in a gravel area. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Mike. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we've got George in Phoenix. Good morning, George. Good morning, Brian. Uh, hey, the red yucca. Uh-huh. You know how it pulls one out? It, you get an onion bulb? Yes. I've heard you can plant that onion, that bulb, and then start a new plant. Oh, you can divide those very easily, uh, George. You know, all the different kinds of Hesperalis or Red Yuccas uh, are all divisible. Yeah. So just take a shovel and just cut down in and cut a chunk off. And if you want to, you know, plant another cluster, be better off to take a little clump out. And if you can divide it to where you can get a clump with some roots instead of bare rooting them out of the cluster, they'll they'll come back better. Yeah, but they will come back bare-rooted. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The best time to do them would be in March. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. You're a great guy. Well, you'll have fun. I don't know how great I am, but uh, they're they're a great plant. You know, <laughs> they, they really are. And uh, you know, Mountain State's Nurseries hybridized that thing and played with it. Ron Gas, especially, and uh, yeah. you know, that's become a very special part of our landscape here in the valley. Anyway, Beautiful. have fun with it. Divide it; it'll divide very easily. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks, George. Bye-bye. Have a good. Bye. You too. Uh, we're going to take a short break. No, we're not going to take a short break. We're going to listen to Tony Tony Barrett's back in here. He's here with the news. We're going to find out what's happening on the planet. While we're gone, we do have a few lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827. It's Sharon and Brian here every Sunday from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? 
Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it so Sunday morning. We do have a couple lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827-277. KTR gives you a call and you could be up in a moment with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Mark and Scottsdale. Good morning, Mark. Hi, good morning, Brian. Hope you're doing well. Love your nursery. Love your show. Uh, I'm interested in getting an, a single apple tree in my backyard. Mm-hmm. It's gravel. Okay. And... Um, want to know your opinion on what we can do. My wife loves Fuji apples. I don't know if that's an option. It's it's an option, uh, but it's not going to be as hardy, especially, you know, here in the desert with all, all alone, as would be a Dorset or an Anna apple. The, those two are okay. going to be the how, hardiest. I see. How, how big will they grow? It depends on the rootstock that they're on, but most of the, the apple rootstocks here they're on, they're going to grow a tree somewhere around 12 to 15 feet tall. And that's, that's going right. to take away. Well, the difference, uh, Mark, with, with apples versus other stone fruits is the apples can live a lot longer. Oh, great. Okay. And typically, how long does it take to get fruit if you have a... Well, we have some gallons. really nice 15 gallons and 25 gallons right now. And we expect for you to have fruit this year. And uh, on all of them. The one thing with apples, I'll caution you, is that with apples, they ripen here in the middle of the summer. You know, in like late June, early July. And you really need to have a use for a lot of apples if you're going to grow an apple tree. Whether you're going to make apple sauce, apple pies, or, you know, freeze Ooh. them. Uh, apples are very prolific, but they don't last on the tree so long because they're ripening in the very heat of the summer. So you'll need to harvest uh, most my. of them in a couple of weeks. 
Uh, birds want to eat them as well, not, I assume? Not, not as bad. No, because of the, the time of year they're ripening. And actually, you know, it seems like in the summer with the Annas and Dorsets both, you don't really have that much damage from the birds. They're nothing like a peach or a plum or a nectarine or apricot. I mean, the apples really aren't as enticing to them. I think it's the color of the fruit. Terrific. All right. Thanks very much, Brian. Thanks, Take Mark. Care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Uh, Brent and Gilbert. Good morning, Brent. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, looking for some advice, I'd like to plant a gardenia plant in the ground and haven't had much success in the past. So just in terms of, uh, of sun and shade and water and what kind of advice do you have and what kind of gardenia do you Well, recommend? there's a lot of difference. We have one called a Miami Supreme. That's a grafted gardenia on a Thumbergiana rootstock, and it's much hardier, and it's because of the rootstock, and it makes it a lot of difference. Now, if you had a, a, a vichai, which is a common gardenia here, grafted on the same rootstock, it would also be hardy. But the nice part about a Miami Supreme is it will grow on a southern or a eastern or even a northern exposure and do quite well. And it's a pretty good bloomer as far as the summer season. It'll bloom here, you know, for about five or six months. And is now an okay time to plant it? Yes. You know, they're, they're completely frost hardy, so you can plant gardenias here anytime. And it would be better planted probably from now through May. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brent. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Don down in Maricopa. Hello, Don. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Excellent, sir. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I used to see you down in your southern spot there uh, years ago, but haven't in a while. Well, it just depends on where we run into you. each other. I, I do bounce around a lot, but, you know, that's where I office. <laughs> yeah, you, you used to have a business here in Maricopa, and we came down to see you quite often. So, anyway, um, my question for you is I have an overgrown bougainvillea um, that's, you know, it's probably basically about a four-foot plant that's kind of, it's bloomed out, and it's uh, probably eight to ten feet tall, and I wonder if it's too late to trim that back now. Well, Don, you, you could prune it now, but here's the problem. If you prune a bougainvillea right now, you're going to take away the whole bloom cycle for the whole winter. Okay? Right. So if you want to enjoy any color on it, I wouldn't recommend pruning it this time of year. The best time to prune bougainvilleas, and you can really whack them, you know, pretty much in March, and then again in August or early September. But if you prune them this time of year, uh, you're going to take away the bloom cycle. And, you know, and they have one of the most beautiful bloom cycles here, unless we have a freeze in the wintertime, any place on the planet. Right. Yeah, I was afraid of that. I thought I missed my window by a couple of months anyway. So, But, you know, as we say and in farming, there's always next year, Don. That's right. Well, we're that's having fine. a hard time more- right now. With, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, I have one more question for you. Is it too late to put in new new plants? Just, uh, you know, day one plants. I have a few spots that are open I need to fill in, and I hate to wait till spring, but that might be a better option since it's gotten a little later in the fall. Well, Don, I'm pretty much all the hardy evergreens. You know, I mean, that's thinking anything from sages, you know, the little John Bottlebrush, dwarf olives, all the hollies, all those kind of things. It's probably better to plant them now. Rose bushes, this is the best time to plant them. So a lot of things, this is a really good time. What we want to be mindful of is if we're going to plant something as frost tender. So things like a bougainvillea, you might want to think about planting later in the year. Yeah, I think I got enough of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> Was there something special oh. you're looking at planting, Don, some variety? 
No, not particularly. I'm trying to get the wife to make a decision so so we can put in what she wants and not what I want to make her happy. So, <laughs> Well, send her down to the nursery. We'll hook her up. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Nice chatting with you. You too, Don. Bye-bye. Uh, Jack up in Sun Lakes is up next after Jack. We've got four open lines. We've got about 10 or 15 minutes left. Perfect time to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Jack. Hey, Bert. Good morning, Brian. Uh, every year I start tomato plants in my garage with a, a grow light, and I use this uh, miracle Grow seed starter. Mm-hmm. And I have a I have 100% germination, no problem, you know. But I thought, geez, I want to start some flower seeds. You know, I was just experimenting because I want to start some for my garden up in Pine Top because uh-huh. I have some flowers. So, you know, I did the same thing that I do with tomato plants, and none of them came up. Well, you know, there's a lot of difference in different germination for different temperatures and different things. Um, you know, the one rule of thumb is not to plant them too deep. You have to watch the smaller seeds to be planted really shallow, like when you plant tomatoes. Um, but it's going to be, you know, temperature based on the germination part for more, most things. You know, it's how moisture and, and uh, temperature. But if, so if you wanted to plant, you know, what, what kind of flowers are you thinking about planting for up north? Oh, I don't know. Just common flowers, pansies and uh, marigolds. Uh, I can tell you, Jack, it's probably not worth it. Um, you know what I would do if I was in Sun Lakes and had a place up north? I'd plant some geraniums in pots here this time of year and carry them through. Then I would just take them up north, uh, you know, in May. And as soon as the frost yeah. is over, depending on where you're at, maybe June, even some places, leave them up there all summer and enjoy them. We have an awful lot of customers that do that. And, uh, you know, you can just prune them back and take them up the hill and just have such wonderful flowers. But, you know, as far as the the cost versus the energy it takes to grow a lot of those things, <laughs> it's probably not worth it. Now, just for fun, everything's worth it. So that's all up well, to you. I start tomatoes because, you know, the big box stores don't carry the little uh, six packs or eight packs. They mm-hmm. all have these $3, $4 finalized doing 30, 40 plants. So I started, now you, I was in one of your nurseries and they do have the six packs or eight packs. Yeah, at different times. You know, we, we, we grow a fair, a fair bit of tomatoes. Most of ours that we're going to plant here for spring, we plant mid-December. On the tomatoes, and uh, if you'll yeah. germinate them in a little pot, and then I'll tell you what they really work well on. Is if you get those little, uh, like the little jiffy pots that rise up, you know, that are preformed, uh, little mesh ones, yeah. and man, those are fantastic for growing tomatoes in. Well, I don't have any problem with tomatoes, yeah. so. But I did get out and got some of your uh, your pellets for. Uh, chicken manure i'll tell you the other but thing if you want to plant you, plant for spring if you want to plant them you want to plant them right now is peppers yeah the peppers and are so slow never, that you want to get those in early yeah i've never had much left they don't get very big i guess my soil is not where it should be but okay that you you've answered my questions i'll give up on the <laughs> well you don't have to it's just you know and uh, well, I'll, go out, I'll go out to your nursery and buy some well i'll tell you i'll tell you what you can plant this time of year though it's out in your garden if you want for spring is get some seed and just go plant right in the garden and go seed some poppies and and you know like the uh desert uh all the yellow and orange and all of our desert stuff this time of year you go rake that into the yeah. ground now water it once or twice if we get a few you know winter rains you'll have beautiful color here in the spring and that's really yeah. easy to do with the african daisies and poppies 
Okay, well, thank you very much. Brian. Have fun, Jack. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have two lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. Clouds in the sky, you'll get by if you smile through your fears and sorrow. Smile, and maybe tomorrow you'll see the sun come shining through. prettier here in sunny slope today a little cooler in the mornings lately but uh wow is that great for our gardens anyway i want to take a minute and invite you out to whitfields at whitfields we grow trees started with my grandparents and our original glendale avenue store back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations you know if you enjoy this program we end up paying for it from Whitfields. So come out and see us. Support us. We grow all kinds of beautiful things. We've got great deals, especially loaded at our Gilbert and Southern store on geraniums this week. But all kinds of great shade trees, ashes, elms, pistachios. Now is the perfect time to plant fruitless olives like Swan Hill. And we have beautiful uh, desert trees like American Mesquite and Ironwood. Whatever your dreams. Great citrus trees, especially the big 15 gallons. You don't have to buy a little baby citrus tree and wait for fruit to grow. 15-gallon you could easily take home, and you could be picking fruit in a week or two. Anyway, come out and see us our original store at 824 East Glendale, the East Valley Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. We're open Monday through Saturday, 8 to 530, Sundays 10 to 4. Woodfield, tree, Woodfield Nurseries growing trees here and has been for a long time for Arizona's future. Back to the phones. Looks like uh, John and Awatuki. Good morning, John. Good morning, Brian. Hope you're doing well. I bought a couple of uh, bare root peach trees about three years ago. One of them is a red baron, and it's doing pretty good. Um, the other one's a full of the prince, and it's gotten a lot bigger than I had hoped for, really. It's mm-hmm. pretty close to the house, and I'm trying to decide if I should 
possibly cut it down and remove it completely, or if there's a way to prune it to keep it a little bit more manageable size. Well, you know, if you went to the Central Central Valley of California where they grow thousands of acres of fruit trees, you'd be amazed at how much they prune them. You know, they'll take a peach yeah. tree like yours that could grow into a 25 or 30 foot tree and they'll prune it back to like eight or nine feet tall this time of year. And they take uh-huh. the branches and take them out horizontal so they spread so it's easy to harvest the peaches and it works very well. So the ideal time to prune it's going to be late December, January before it, uh, right as it goes dormant, prune it back, okay. reshape it, take the, the lower limbs out horizontal, you can have it look really chopped and haggled, you know, this first year. But if you'll do that, you can control its size. When you control the top growth, you control the root growth, and you can harvest a lot more peaches. Okay. So if the tree is about 15 feet tall, mm-hmm. um, how, how much would you take off the top? Well, if I was wanting to grow it for fruit, I'd prune it back to about seven or eight feet. Okay. Well, that's my, it's, it's a lot of the tree. I'm talking about taking yeah. away 50% of the tree. Okay. That sounds good. I think I can handle that. And what you'll want to do with it, John, is it starts to come back and rebud after it grows in the spring. Do a little bit of uh, like April pruning, just taking out some of the branches that are growing up vertical and kind uh-huh. of to get it to put more branches off that are come out horizontal. It's going to do that to a large degree anyway, just because you topped it. Right. That sounds great, Brian. I think uh, I think that's exactly what I wanted to know. Thank you so much. Have fun and enjoy the peaches. Bye, John. Uh, Frank in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Hey, I got a question. Did I already miss my window for my uh, winter lawn? No. I mean, you can plant winter lawn anytime. You kind of just have to think about why. Um, you know, with your okay. Bermuda grass lawn, if it's healthy right now, it'll stay green it until is. somewhere in December when we have a freeze. Okay. And if we don't have a freeze, it'll just get kind of yellow. Um, and then what it'll do is it'll pop and start to green up again in the middle of uh, February. And it'll be much healthier for your lawn not to plant the ryegrass. But if you want to plant ryegrass, you still can. The only difference is when you plant it this time of year with the cool days and the short short amount of hours, it's going to take twice as long to germinate and come up. But it'll still grow fine. Yeah, so uh, Thanksgiving is it probably not going to look like anything but your your lawn should look like soil. like like Thanksgiving like it does today unless we have a freeze and we haven't had an early November freeze in years. Um, well, okay. We certainly have in the past, but not in a long time. I mean, we could have a freeze okay. this time of year, and that wouldn't be out of character for the valley over the you know the history of the valley recorded temperatures. But I think you know it'll be unusual to have a hard enough freeze. If you want your lawn to look great for Thanksgiving, go out and give it a light shot of like a twenty one seven fourteen fertilizer right now, and. And uh, okay. when you when you mow it, mow it just a little bit longer, and it'll look fantastic for Thanksgiving if it looks decent now. Okay, yeah, it looks kind of mediocre, but I, I tried to kill it, and it just it's not dying. So <laughs> doesn't know how to die with dignity. Well, don't kill it, feed it, and uh, yeah, okay. and then let it grow up a little longer. Okay, and okay. so what I would Got do is it. feed. I'd feed it today, you know, and I'd give it an extra four or five days growth, and I would raise the mower up about a quarter to half an inch when you mow it next. And okay. um, I think it'll be fine. Okay, perfect. Thank Thanks, you, Frank. Bye, bye. Uh, Kristen, or Kirsten in Paradise Valley. Good morning. Or Kirsten from Paradise Valley. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good morning. <laughs> I have problem with that name when I when I call other people the same name. I have trouble, so <laughs> it's pretty funny. So I have a few things on my list to talk to you about. Um, first is my 
huge eucalyptus tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's leaning. Okay. Uh, I'm just concerned about it because we lost a branch a couple weeks ago, and it's just huge. And I don't want to do any damage or anything, but I don't know at what point it's a lean too great. Probably not. And I can't tell you what it's Probably not, Kristen, <laughs> but what you want somebody to do is probably come out and prune it and thin it, balance it out. Yeah, okay. You know, with, with so big trees, been... it's good to get them pruned. Mm-hmm. One second. Why do you think my husband has going Yeah, where it's leaning into the lawn, it's got a little hump. Mm-hmm. So it might have some surface roots and some things there. And you know what's really okay. problematic, Kristen, is whenever we have uh, you know huge rains in monsoon season. You know, and that's when right. you see big eucalyptus blow over. But if you'll thin them and, and reduce their size, and you can prune them this time of year, it's a great time to prune. Um, they'll okay. be fine. They'll come back out in the spring, and they won't be as heavy or so likely to blow over. Oh my gosh! Okay, because we did prune it last year this time. Okay, and I know we we watered the lawn quite a bit this summer. Mm-hmm. Don't nobody throw stones at me. Um, no, <laughs> but, you know what? There's no problem um, watering your lawn. But you know, the key is to watering a lawn is to putting a capturing device and watering it. You know, pretty much whenever it's dry. I'm going to put you on hold, Kristen, because we're out of time. I got to say goodbye, and then sure. I'll pick you back up off the air. Okay? okay. And Bobby and Janet and Brian, I'll take you off the air as well, folks. Appreciate all your calls. I hope you're enjoying the weekend in the program and i hope you're enjoying life but you know we played that last song with a great duo there because smiling is one of the things i just we just lost a family friend who was a great friend and a very happy wonderful person and uh, what reminds me of her most is every time she would smile and smiling is so contagious you know we can get in all these downsides and such you know, minus sides, but you know, there's no reason for us not to be happy and smile, enjoy this beautiful state we live in and the greatest country in the world and share all these treasures that we have with one another. You know, we, we've all come from nothing. We're all going to nothing, but what we share in life is what we'll be remembered by. And the smile is the easiest thing to, uh, and most contagious, you know, it's worse than COVID just smile and life will be wonderful. Be back with you next week with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.